This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Caution. Nothing personal word of the day. It is April 19th. Today is Wednesday, 2023. Caution. You're running a baseball team. Let me set this up for you. You got a bunch of young players. You have fans. You have media. Everybody telling you, sign these guys. Show some commitment to your market. Show some commitment to your team. Be the Braves. Get all the young players and sign them right now. I was sitting in a office at Marlins Park, or pro player, don't remember which, doesn't matter. And word came across, and the way we got news of signings before social media is there was a printout, a computer that had all new contracts signed by any team. And we had a baseball assistant whose job it was to print out all of the newly approved contracts and then give it to the AGM, the GM, and to me. So every day, comes by and drops off the piece of paper and we see a contract and we look at it, Evan Longoria, and we say, wow, that seems excessive. And that's Tampa who was starting the process or the, the new game of finding a young player, believing in, the, in that young player and signing that young player. Since that, and there may have been players before then, but it doesn't matter. But since that, there've been a ton of young players signed and we laud it. They do breaking news and it's very exciting. Look at how great the Seattle Mariners ownership is. They found Julio Rodriguez and they signed him. Tampa Bay looked at Wander Franco and said, we have our eyes on you. Here's 200 million, Acuna. Wow, I can't believe the Braves got Acuna for so little money. For what won't be the final time, you have every player signed when you start to a six-year contract. I don't understand why people don't get that. It's really a simple concept. A player in Major League Baseball cannot be a free agent until that player has accrued six years of service time. The only difference when you sign a player young is that you lock in a salary each year. If you don't lock in a salary, you still have the player signed, but the player only gets paid according to what the player's done. 
if you do have a player locked in with an amount, then that player gets that amount no matter what the player does. So the rule used to be that we will talk about signing a young player if there are discounts, because there should be. A player is getting guaranteed money in advance for performance that hasn't happened yet and may not happen. And if you go through arbitration, arbitration is based on your career, but also what you did the previous year called the platform year. And if you stink or you're hurt, then you don't get a significant raise. And then the next year, if you are healthy and good, you get a raise based on your previous year's deal, not based on anything else. So you'll argue in a second year of arbitration, hey, the player got 3 million last year. This player deserves a $1.4 million raise. Therefore, he should get $4.4 million. But a guaranteed contract means no arbitration, no looking at stats, no caring about anything. Here's your money every two weeks from April to September. Have fun. Caution. Sometimes you sign players and they suck. Sometimes you sign players and they need Tommy John surgery. If I read one more person tell me that Jeffrey Springs is a great contract signed by the Tampa Bay Rays, I'm going to look at you and say, do the math for me. That's all I'm asking. Jeffrey Springs got $31 million from the Tampa Bay Rays. He is not young. He had a couple good years. That's why they signed him. He's under control, but they wanted to get him locked up and include some free agent years. Then they put him on the IL with what they called neuroses. I thought neuroses is when you have, when you have problems in your head. Like, I've got a lot of neuroses and quirks, but somehow that's an injury. That was not an injury when I was around. They called it ulnar neuroses. I call that a forearm flexor strain. I call that Tommy John. I told you that what we do is we announce something that's not Tommy John because we don't know whether it's gonna be Tommy John, wink, wink, of course we know it's gonna be Tommy John, but we wanna say, hey, he's got some forearm stiffness. Hey, he's got some implications in his ligament area. G-M-A-B, he's getting Tommy John. So Jeffrey Springs, Tommy John. Why are teams continuing to not exercise caution? Here's the argument that is made to me by all of you and by some people in front offices. I am willing to pay a man to not play or to play badly in order for me to also sign a player who does play well, does stay healthy, and therefore becomes a bargain. It's like spreading your risk and it's guaranteeing your budget, guaranteeing what your payroll is gonna be. I'm in, but I'm only in when you get the discount. Just think about what I'm saying. If all of these long-term deals that are signed by young players do not include sufficient discounts, what is the purpose of signing them? Because they're gonna earn that amount of money if they're good and you pay it. And if they're not good or they're injured, then you don't. The argument that you make back to me, but Jeffrey Springs is a free agent, is at such a lower number. No, it's not. It's not as though you know just because he's good 
that he's going to be good throughout arbitration and into free agency. Look at Hunter Green. The Cincinnati Reds signed Hunter Green. They drafted him at the top of the draft. They gave him 53 million bucks yesterday. And everyone is saying, now Cincinnati's, they're back in it once Votto's off the payroll. <laughs> that made me laugh. Coca, did you see, uh, I can't remember who said it, but somebody who specializes in the Cincinnati Reds were talking about the fact that Cincinnati has no long-term money going forward. So therefore bringing and signing Hunter Green is brilliant because their only responsibility is the buyout of Mike Moustakis. Mike Moustakis, the same guy who was signed to a free agent deal along with Nick Castellanos that were absolute B-U-S-T-S. And when Joey Votto got signed to his extension, everyone was applauding, they were in the playoffs, they had a chance, they were good. Now Votto is described in articles as, let's just wait, he's almost off the payroll. Every time that you say about your team, I can't wait for him to be off the payroll, I want you to do a shot. Because you say it every time, and it's the same person who you say when they signed, wow, way to go. That's commitment by ownership. And then it crushes you for a number of years, re basically eliminates all of your flexibility, and then you're rebuilding, retooling, and not winning. So Hunter Green gets this deal, and they call it six-year deal. There's a seventh-year option. I can't. Show some caution. What about the Minnesota Twins? They're pretty good. Coco, what are you telling me about Votto? Oh, you're, you like the fact that Votto was signed? Okay, that's pretty good. Thank you. You also want to talk about, oh, I get what you're saying. Chris Bryant, well, I don't even want to talk about Chris Bryant. That was a terrible free agent signing. The They overpaid him. He's actually playing decently for the first two weeks. The Rockies are terrible. He's horrific. Okay. Reckless signing. Okay. I'll talk. We're live. Are you aware that we're live here? Nothing personal. Five days a week, 8 a.m. How many more segments do we need to do about reckless signings? Caution. The Minnesota Twins traded for someone. Do you remember when the Detroit Tigers traded for Dontrell Willis and immediately signed him to a contract and ended up him not being able to perform for the Tigers? He wasn't good anymore. And they signed him without knowing him. The Minnesota Twins yesterday signed Pablo Lopez to $73 million over four, taking care of his last year of arbitration, three years of free agency. What? I love Pablo Lopez. Don't get me wrong. In the clubhouse, on the field, he's got a plus changeup. He's got a plus fastball. Well, an average fastball. He's a plus pitcher. He has started off strongly for the Minnesota Twins. I get it. What is the reason you're giving him that money now? We used to have a rule. Don't sign contracts during the regular season. One, we don't want players to be distracted. Two, we don't want to be swayed by the recency bias of current performance. All these players get signed at the top. And then all of a sudden, everyone's shocked when you're trying to get rid of the players or designate the players or find a way to not have to pay the players. You're not supposed to distract players during the season. Pablo Lopez has a couple good starts. He's doing great. They go to him and they say, listen, 
We don't want to worry about arbitration as a fifth year, as a sixth year, final year of arbitration. We want to keep you here. We want to make sure that we've got some sort of rotation because we have three guys who are aging out. Their contracts are up and they're going to be gone. We traded away Berrios, brilliant move. The Toronto Blue Jays signed him without living with him and knowing him, and now they rue the day that they did because it felt good to sign him because of the excitement of the day. How do we get people to ignore the excitement of the day? Your GMs and your team presidents and your owners love the EOD. The thing about excitement of the day is I felt it and it feels so good. And then it disappears and you're looking for the next bit of excitement. How many of us in our lives are always looking at the next thing? Wow, that was amazing. I'm gonna, I wanna feel that again. I'm gonna go after that feeling. It sounds like drugs, doesn't it? I want to be that happy. I want to read those great articles about myself and all the great tweets and have the phones ringing in the sales office. This is so exciting. One of the reasons why my 30 minute rule is so good, no signing players, releasing players, doing anything 30 minutes after a game. Don't do anything with emotion. Why are you caught up in your evaluation of Pablo Lopez? Because you watched him on the Marlins? Because you watched him start four games for you? I don't understand the reason. There's always a time to pay players for performance. When you pay players at the high, by definition, you're overpaying. Let me give you an example. The Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles, owned by Mr. Moreno, comma, Artie, he of the we can't win, even though we beat the Yankees yesterday. Otani, who is again, go, if Otani's not MVP, I'm calling it now. If he stays healthy, he's the MVP. Forget Judge, forget anybody else. He is again, one of the best pitchers in baseball, a number one starter, and one of the best hitters in baseball. If that's not enough to win MVP, to me, how about MVP and Cy Young? Coco, we didn't prepare for this. Was Dennis Eckersley MVP and Cy Young one year? I'm trying to remember, there is one person who got both and I'm not remembering who it was, or maybe it's two, or maybe it's none. As a matter of fact, forget the whole thing. Ready? Nine, six, 48. Otani should win Cy Young and MVP if he keeps going. So these angels who have a hard time, oh, it's all those people? I do not believe that Johan Santana was ever the the AL or NL MVP. You're telling me that Koufax, Gibson, Steve Carlton, Denny McLean, Pedro Martinez, Johan Santana, Tim Lincecum, and Clayton Kershaw all won the Cy Young and the MVP in the same year? That would blow my mind if that's correct. I don't remember Tim Lincecum ever being National League MVP, even though he was so good in 10, 12, and 14. Anyway. I digress. Maybe it wasn't even 10 to, I think it was. He was there for all the Giants World Series. Let me go back to the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. David Fletcher, great young player. They sign him to a young deal. Guess where he is now? Released. And the Angels have to pay him $21 million. $21 million. Are you okay with that? Do you like when your owner does that? It feels good when you sign him. They're, they're investing in our future. 
They're keeping this group together. You think that every long-term deal signed by the Braves is gonna work? Of course not. Caution, stop with these deals. The reason why there's a caution sign is you're meant to slow down, look around, and be aware of things that otherwise you may not be paying attention to. When there's a caution bears in the area sign, you're thinking to yourself, oh, crikeys, I better look out for some bears. When you don't see the sign, you say to yourself, all right, I'm gonna keep going and maybe eat some chocolate. All right, wait to see when we tell you something's gonna happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Yesterday, we had an entire conversation about Draymond Green. I don't take victory laps often because when you do a show every day, you're gonna be right a lot, you're gonna be wrong a lot, and I am gonna own up. And I don't wanna be the one, like the ones who pick games and they only tweet it or only talk about it when they have a good night, but they don't talk about what happens when they lose the games they pick. It's common, right? That's normal. People want to forget the bad and just accentuate the good. I mean, that, there's an entire medicine called plastic surgery about that. We're gonna ignore the fact that it's bad and we're gonna make something look good so people focus on that. Great, I'm in. As I show you all of my forehead wrinkles with the ring light in my forehead. I gotta find a way to not have the ring light in the forehead. There's gotta be a way to do that. You can put on makeup. Maybe I should do that. All right, I'm gonna look into that. What were we just talking about? Draymond Green, victory laps. Go listen to yesterday's show, which is show 797 on April 18th of 23. And I did a segment of why Draymond Green is gonna be suspended. I then spent the entire day having people contact me saying that is the worst take ever. He's not gonna be suspended. There were tweets going out there from insiders saying we have it on information and belief sources say he's not gonna be suspended. And I said to myself, I still don't buy it. And the reason I don't buy it is that you've got to suspend him because of the behavior, not just the stomping, but what he did to the fans. So Draymond Green was suspended and the NBA did something that drives me up a wall. They announced it like at 1130 at night. It took you that long to write up a press release and to decide, were you looking at different angles of the video? Were you trying to speak to witnesses? What exactly was your plan? So Joe Dumars, the great, great shooting guard for the championship Detroit Pistons, who now is the EVP and head of basketball operations, in announcing the suspension very late at night, although they'll argue just because it was 11.30 on the East Coast, it's only 8.30 on the West Coast. Give me a break, nine to five, you can do it. They said, this is the NBA, not Adam Silver. They had Joe Dumars announce it. The suspension was based in part on Green's history of unsportsmanlike acts. God dang it. You got it wrong, Adam. Have you ever heard of something called double jeopardy? You think that you should be making decisions on a player based on that player's history? I know if that player's ever done drugs and you are testing that player, don't bother testing. The player's gonna test positive, I'm sure, because the player's still doing drugs. 
And I would like you, for anybody who shoots 50% from the three-point line, or let's do a better one, 80% from the free throw line, don't make them shoot the free throws. Just give them eight out of 10. Eight out of 10 are made, two out of 10 are missed, and the team gets to decide which gets made and which gets missed. But eight, you get credit for, eight points, two you don't. You don't suspend someone in part because of the history. You take the act as it is, and then you make a decision, is it suspension worthy, Elaine? Yes, this act alone was suspension worthy, period. What he did after being ejected is suspension worthy, period. I'm not gonna sit around comparing this guy to the men men before deciding whether or not there should be a suspension and whether or not it's worthy for that suspension to be granted. I don't understand why the NBA did it. So here's my release from the NBA. At 4 p.m. Eastern, Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green has been suspended one game without pay for stepping on the chest of Sacramento Kings center Domantas Sabonis. In addition, the suspension is due to the behavior shown post-ejection, not leaving the court fast enough and inciting fans. Joe Dumars announced the suspension and said, quote, we are not going to allow this type of behavior and we want all players to understand there will be immediate and significant consequences to both unsportsmanlike conduct and any involvement with fans that we feel could lead to any sort of escalation of violence. Draymond Green will serve the suspension April 20th when the Warriors host the Kings for game three at the Chase Center. That's the announcement. Staggering to me how they did this. However, the wait to see that we did yesterday, guess what? It's a yes. Draymond Green is gonna miss game three. The Golden State Warriors are down 0-2. That's a problem. Can the Golden State Warriors somehow win four out of five games against the Sacramento Kings? I have zero background or research for this statement. Did the Sacramento Kings lose four to five games this season? And if so, how often? Will they lose it to the same team? No, the Golden State Warriors, the reigning NBA champions, they will not beat the Sacramento Kings and the Kings are going to the second round, which means we're getting way more beams. All right, after the break, I'm gonna have a correction because I gave you a list of people with Cy Young and MVP that was in my ear, but I take the blame. I get a lot of things in my ear, and when I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'm saying I was wrong by saying that. I do not believe that the players I listed won MVP and Cy Young, and I'm gonna correct it after the break, and we're gonna go through all sorts of amazing rule changes that could be coming to a ballpark near you. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. 
through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400 or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425 right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Matthew Koch and I come to you every day, 8 a.m. live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. In addition, we're a podcast. So please listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about what we're doing here because we're not the best kept secret anymore. That's for sure. But that said, we got to keep growing. Okay. MVP Cy Young, I think Shohei Otani should get there. And it would be rare. <laughs> okay, Coca, listen, I'm not gonna take a break. The internet's working. Yesterday was an absolute nightmare in that regard. But I do not believe that in the same season, Roger Clemens was MVP in Cy Young. I'm talking about the same season okay thank you let me know all right let's talk about what mlb is doing right now i'm loving it i mean this is like quarter pounder with cheese scenario this is in the styrofoam case scenario where you open up the styrofoam, you eat the quarter pounder with cheese and the first bite is so good. Not my favorite bite. What is your favorite bite of a McDonald's quarter pounder? For me, let me tell you how I did it. Let me see if I can make my handkerchief into a circle. If you're watching this on YouTube, here's what I would do. So it's a circle. I would go left for a bite, right for a bite, and I would enjoy it. Then a smaller left and a smaller right, thereby leaving a middle that's sticking out. And the middle burger bite is like heaven and it's bite number five. It's left, right, left, right, middle. And that middle bite, <clears throat> second only, no, that's first. The second favorite is when you think you may only have one bite left at the end, but you decide in your brain, you're gonna make it two bites. And so that second to last bite, you're like, that's an extra. Those used to be my favorites. Rule changes. What, what am I talking about McDonald's for? I swear to you right now as I sit here, I have no idea why McDonald's and their old styrofoam cases for their burgers was in my head. None. 
And the good news is there's total silence in my ear, which means Coca doesn't either, which means you don't either, which means I'm going to keep going. MLB, I love what, the, oh, I'm loving it. I got it. <laughs> God, my brain is funny. I am loving the rule changes. I'm loving the fact that we're two weeks in, or we're almost three weeks in tomorrow, actually. Opening day was three weeks ago tomorrow. And the games are just ending early. They're starting a bit earlier, but they're ending early. They're two and a half hours. I'm good. You know, the increased stolen bases, is it going to last? Is it not going to last? There's way more home runs. People are still striking out. They're still walking. I'm not seeing as much station to station, as many sort of gap hits as I would like, but it's going to take time. But MLB has finally got the guts to do rule changes and to not worry about what the union is saying. They made this competition committee that has players on it that have no say in anything. There are rules about how they can institute new rules. And in addition to what you've seen this year, they announced yesterday that in the Atlantic League, which is the equivalent, I guess, if you're gonna talk about what that is, it's the Petri dish of leagues. Meaning in that league, you know, when you get like a COVID test or you get a biopsy and they have to grow stuff to see what happens. The Atlantic League is where you grow stuff and then you you look at it under the microscope and say, ooh, you're sort of sick or hey, you're good. The Atlantic League is used to test new rules. So yesterday we got a couple and I wanna tell you what they are and tell you my view. Number one, a designated pinch runner. Hell yeah. Here's how it works. Anybody on your roster of the 26 men minus the nine who are starting. So you've got 17 players eligible to be named the designated pinch runner. Now, you know, when you make your playoff roster, you've got the Billy Hamiltons of the world. I was about to say Lewis Hamilton. You've got the guys who are fast, the Peter Bergerons. We had a guy named Eric Reed. I'm pulling these names out. You don't know who they are. You don't need to know. Guys who are super fast and they go into pinch run when you're down a run and there's a guy on first, they need to steal second, maybe steal third and get home and sacrifice fly to the extent that anyone does that anymore. Or steal second and score in a single or be able to score from first on a double pinch runners. Now you get to designate a pinch runner. And at any time during the game, that pinch runner can go in for the player who got on base. And once the innings over, once the runners outer scores, that pinch runner is back out of the game. And the person who got pinch run for is back in the game. And it used to be the rule is when you're out of the game, you're out of the game, you can't come back in the game. If you're going to pinch run for somebody, see you later. That guy you can't hit but can only run is going to have to hit if you go all the way through the order or you're going to have to pinch hit for the pinch runner, thereby depleting your bench, therefore making a problem for your team. Hell yeah. Why not? I don't want to worry about hamstrings. Now, Stanton hurt his hamstring legging out a double. So that happens. But I don't want to worry about a pitcher running on the base pass. I don't want to worry about players who tend to get hurt more than they don't. If they get on base, I'm going to use the pinch runner and not take that bat out of the lineup. Jason Stark wrote about this and told me that the designated pinch runner rule, if the same designated pinch runner 
goes in for a second time in the game, then he's got to stay in the game. I don't like that. There should be a designated pinch runner anytime you want. You want to use him nine times, use him nine times. You want to use him five times, use him five times. What's wrong with having speed on the base pass? Who wants to see Vogel back going from first to third? I don't. Do you? So I am all in. The Atlantic League is going to do it. And that rule is going to make it to Major League Baseball. Second, we sat around for so long talking about pickoffs, the number of times you can throw to first. What would happen if you only allow two throws to first? Once you throw over once, the runner knows you're not going to throw over a second time because then you can't throw over ever again. And if you throw over twice and you can't throw over again, then the runner can just go. Do we have any video? I don't know why we would, because I didn't mention this, because I didn't think of it till just now. God, I love doing this show. Yesterday, Corbin Burns, or the day before, whenever he pitched, he did something really cool with the pitch clock. He let the pitch clock run down close to zero. There were two outs. It was a three and two count, and the runners were on the move. He stepped off and picked off the runners, inning over. Outstanding. Great gamesmanship. Max Scherzer's jealous. I like it. The reason why we agreed, and I agree that two disengagements is the right number, is that if you move it to three, way too many, and if you move it to one, way too few, because what it means is that I don't even want my pitcher throwing over one time, because after that, you better pick them off or it's a balk and they get the base. But they're gonna try to only do one disengagement. My view of that, that will not fly. That gives too big an advantage to the runners. And I get what we're trying to do. We're trying to have offense. We're trying to have people running. We're trying to have excitement. But really, I can spin this to say game times are now 2.38. We've shaved 31 minutes off the game. We can claim that it's more exciting. Let's relax on the advantage to the offense right now. The next rule that's gonna go into effect April 28th is called the double hook. All right, here we go. MLB wants to, and I get this because owners want it. Here's what really pisses off an owner. Paying $15 million to a starting pitcher who's five and dive at best. Five and dive used to be an insult. Quality start is what you wanted. Six innings or more, three runs or fewer. I mean, that's like a dream. Five and dive is what you said of your dreck. Let's pay nothing for a five and dive guy. Let's find a rubber arm, triple A guy, let him five and dive. Where after five innings, you take him out and you pray to God he's only given up four to five runs. What MLB is looking at with the double hook rule, and this involves when you lose your designated hitter, because there's now universal designated hitter, and you lose your designated hitter when you have your pitcher and your pitcher is removed from the game before five innings. They're gonna call that a new rule and I am O-U triple T. The double hook rule started back in 2021 and that has to do with when you lose your designated hitter and it has to do with when your pitcher's taken out of the game. Doesn't matter for purpose of this conversation. The real question is, and my real point is, 
do you tie it to the number of innings that a starting pitcher is in the game? This is sort of like Adam Silver believing that load management is going to be settled by making players go 65 games. Because if they don't go 65 games, then they can't possibly, under any scenario, win a postseason award. Okay, it's not going to do anything for load management. Players don't give one rat's ass if they don't win a postseason award. If they don't want to play 65 games, they're not going to play 65 games. Owners want pitchers to pitch deeper into games. It helps keep your bullpen healthier, and it helps with the amount of money you're spending on starting pitching if they're actually taking up innings because you've got 162 times nine innings to do, which is 1620 minus 162, which is 1420 plus 38, 1458. Should we check that, Coca? Do we have time? I feel like we do. I mean, that's assuming you have to go nine innings every time, but you're home a bit, but just 162 times nine is 1458. Hell yeah. I guess you could take away 81 from that, which would be 1358 plus 19, which is 1377. 14, 1377 as the possible number of innings if you have half your games where there's no bottom of the ninth. Whatever. You're trying to get innings from pitchers. Wait to see. I'm going to give it to you straight right now. That five-inning rule, nope, not going to happen. No chance. Count it. Okay. What else are we doing? Oh, we got to review a movie, don't we? Have we taken the break yet, Coca? We're going to take a break. I don't know if we've taken a break yet. I cannot recall that, but we always do the movie after the break. So we di- we did take a break. Okay, no more break. I still watch a movie every day. I'm never going to stop that. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, the guy from The Social Network, the guy from Adventureland, that Jesse Eisenberg, the guy from that great series about uh, uh, with Claire Danes. He's the doctor. This cannot be happening to me. I'm begging you, Coca, to have this not happen to me. What is the series where Claire Danes was nominated for maybe a Golden Globe and Mr. Fleischman's in trouble? Yes. I like it when the synapses are firing. Jesse Eisenberg has a directorial debut that came out starring Julianne Moore. It's called When You Finish Saving the World. Well, Jesse, I love that you got Julianne Moore. It's an interesting topic. Julianne Moore plays a mother who is uh, sort of cold. But on the other hand, she has a job which is requiring great empathy. She seems to take care of other people more than her own son. And if I'm not mistaken, the husband in this movie is the guy who played Rene Russo's husband in Mr. Destiny. Not Jim Belushi, because that was the alternate reality, but the husband in Mr. Destiny. Not sure if that's true, but if it is, that's funny. And the reason why you're not gonna find out is that when you finish saving the world is an hour and a half that you don't need to spend. I watched it. I'm gonna give Jesse Eisenberg every benefit of a doubt. I'm happy he's directing, good for you. Julianne Moore, I can't even how much I love Julianne Moore. But the movie itself, it did not hit the mark. There were a few scenes that can maybe give you a tiny bit of emotion, but only a few, and only if you grew up in a state of dysfunction where you were ignored by your own parents. 
when you finish save it was J.O. Sanders was in Mr. Destiny. Hell yes. That is the craziest call. All right. Nothing personal pick of the day. How did we do yesterday? I feel like we did well. We told you to take the Phillies over the White Sox because we knew that it was smart to do. I think it was, uh, was it Wheeler over Lynn? Well, the Phillies in game one of their doubleheader did win, so that's a win. Then let's talk about the Cavs-Knicks. I watched the NBA last night, and when you lose game one at home, there is a really good chance that you're going to win game two. And the reason is that even in an 8-1 scenario, well, that's for sure, but the 4-5 scenario of Cleveland, New York, New York beat Cleveland in game one. Cleveland's going to come out hard because you're not going to lose and go down 2-0 heading on the road. It's over. You're done. If you lose two on the road to start a series, there's a small chance. If you lose 2-0 and your home games you've lost, you have no chance at all. So Cleveland viewed yesterday as a game seven. The Knicks viewed yesterday as a game one. And the reason why they did is no matter how much you meet your team and you say, hey, we got one. All our goal was was to get one out of the first two on the road. We got the first one. Let's get greedy. Let's get the second game. Let's focus on that. Here's the problem. You can give a Ted Lasso speech all you want to your players, but they know you know, you know that they know, and everybody knows that their level of attention, their level of intensity is not what it would be had they lost game one on the road. So the Knicks came in without the intensity and without the ability to match the intensity of the Cavs. So the Cavs were only favored by five and they won by 70. Cavs over the Knicks was a win. We are over 556 and 55, finally. I have a wait to see, by the way, that by December 31st, I will be over 100 and up money. Now I'm over 100 in picks, still down money, but hang in there. Nothing personal pick of the day today. Minnesota Twins, the aforementioned Pablo Lopez. We've got him for 73 and a half million Minnesota Twins. We signed Carlos Correa. Hell yeah. Look at us. Go, go, go. They're playing the Red Sox, the last place Red Sox. I'm sorry, Will and Jenny. You know I am. I don't mean to go against the Red Sox. I don't mean to impugn the quality and skill of the Red Sox roster. But I would like to point out that yes, they're in last place and Corey Kluber stinks. Why is he still getting the ball every five days? Because he won the Cy Young? How many years do you, now listen, I'm always gonna be a World Series winner. I'm always gonna wear the ring and you always get to say 2003 World Series champion, president of a World Series championship team. Corey Kluber always gets to say Cy Young award winner. I get it, but you don't, listen to nothing personal because I was part of a World Series winning team in 2003, do you? You listen because we have fun every day. Just because a pitcher won the signing award, we would do this a lot. We would say, hey, <laughs> this guy in 2009 was so good. Let's bring him in in 2013 and see if he can recapture his glory. Do a little Springsteen. Guess what? Doesn't happen. The Twins are only 130 over Kluber. We're taking him. All right, what about the NBA? Giannis is doubtful for the game against the Heat. Giannis with the back contusion. 
Giannis is going to play tonight. There's no reason not to, especially when you're trying to win the title and you lost game one at home the way the Bucks lost game one against the Heat. The line, however, used to be eight and a half, and now it's six because Giannis is doubtful. Doubtful? I view that as probable. And even if Giannis doesn't play, the Bucks are a better team than the Heat, and they're only giving six. We're taking the Bucks to even up that series big time, minus six over the Heat. Those are the two picks of the day. All right, I want to end the show with a couple of comments on a couple of things. One, DeMar Hamlin was cleared to play yesterday. DeMar Hamlin, the player who had cardiac arrest on that Monday night game against the Bengals, the Buffalo Bills player, the player who died on the field, died in the ambulance, was resuscitated by the hero first responders, by the athletic trainers who knew what to do, who understood how to use a defib machine. He has been cleared to play. After what happened to DeMar Hamlin happened, we talked about what we speculated and people thought it was irresponsible. Don't speculate about other people's medical conditions. But my view of it was that there is, and doctors had said this and I agreed, is that if you get a blow to your heart at a exact time in its beating cycle, it can stop. You start it again and you're ready to roll. That's what happened to Hamlin. It is a miracle. It is unbelievably amazing. I'm so happy that he's back. Should he play again? Yes. The odds of being hit in a blow to that area at that exact time, they exist. They're not zero. But it's like a lottery winner winning the lottery again or someone in a plane crash being in a second commercial plane crash. Does it happen? Yeah. Would you want to bet it? No. So DeMar Hamlin has come all the way back, full contact, ready to go for spring training. There's voluntary workouts going on right now or involuntary workouts. I keep forgetting, Coca. What are, what are we in, the involuntary or the voluntary? We're in one of the workouts right now in the NFL. Voluntary, thank you. And uh, I guess involuntary workouts would be called preseason. So voluntary workouts is when you're, yeah, hey, do you want to come? All right, sure. Just, I don't want to get hurt. So I want to just do a shout out to DeMar Hamlin. We are rooting for you. Are you going to be thinking about it every play in the beginning? But hang in there. Eventually you won't. Second thing I want to bring up is something I saw. We do videos on TikTok and we're involved. Coca does it. We have social media, David P. Sampson on Instagram. I try to talk to as many of you as possible on Twitter at David P. Sampson in the DMs. It's getting harder and harder. Please do not be offended if I do not respond to what you're saying. I'm trying to even read all of them and I can't, but I'm trying, keep sending them. TikTok has become this very controversial situation where kids are doing challenges and the challenges are asinine and dangerous and sometimes fatal. There is something called a Benadryl TikTok challenge. It is where kids take six times the recommended dose of Benadryl just to see if you can start hallucinating. Well, a 13-year-old did it and now he's dead. I agree, you can die walking down the street. I can agree, you can be in a garage that crashes on you. 
My thoughts are with those people in New York. I can agree that bad things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. Bad things just happen. I agree that sometimes we do things that we increase the odds of a bad thing happening. But these challenges to make you look cool on social media, it puts the ass in asinine. And as parents or as friends, do not encourage, but pay attention to the possibility. And if you have young kids and you're listening, or you are a young person who's listening, you're not cool for doing that stuff. It's not gonna get you more friends. It's not gonna get you girls. It's not gonna get you guys. It's not gonna get you likes, loves, follows. It only has a chance to get you dead. What's the use of that? A wasted life. Please pay attention. We'll be back tomorrow for another edition of Nothing Personal. It's just business. This is Nothing Personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.